Just like the variety of plants and life on our native grasslands, South Dakota is filled with diverse partners playing a role in supporting those grasslands. Each episode, Partners on the Prairie will introduce you to those impacting South Dakota's grasslands. I'm your host, Laura Kaler, Director of the South Dakota Grasslands Initiative, a collaborative network of diverse partners who support grasslands as a means of retaining prairie ecosystems, both native and restored, while sustaining rural economies and healthy communities. I'm your host, Laura Kaler, Director of the South Dakota Grasslands Initiative. With me today is Travis Entman, the Director of Northern Prairie Land Trust. Northern Prairie Land Trust offers voluntary conservation easements to landowners in Nebraska and South Dakota. Thanks for joining us today, Travis, to teach us a little bit more about your work. Thank you for having me. Can you give us a brief background on how Northern Prairie's Land Trust got started and your involvement in their work? Yeah. So Northern Prairie's Land Trust was founded in 2000 by a law professor at uh, University of South Dakota School of Law. Um, uh, His name was John Davidson. He um, saw that private conservation was a big asset for South Dakota and there was no real land trust and conservation easement organization at the time in South Dakota and Nebraska. So through his legal work, uh, he uh, essentially designed this organization and built this. Um, he recruited some of his law students as the founding members, uh, board members, and hit the ground running. Um, a lot of our easements at the beginning of our uh, uh, organization's history were in Nebraska, um, landowners looking at um, more restrictive kind of easements just uh, mainly focused on habitat preservation, uh, grassland preservation, um, water quality, things like that. And so the the organization has grown and kind of changed course a little bit over the years. Um, We've had a few executive directors um, throughout that history, uh, but now we hold about going on almost 8,000 acres of conservation easements in South Dakota and Nebraska, uh, kind of split between like water quality type of easements with buffer strips and things like that, but also habitat and working lands type of easement. So that's a combination of uh, woodlands and grasslands. Um, so it kind of runs the gamut there, but uh, we are really making a push and see the need with working lands easements, particularly around grasslands or timberland for that matter. But a lot of uh, Western South Dakota, um, is seeing some uh, development pressure um, with the loss of grass, with housing development, um, and the loss of uh, uh, grazing as well. So a lot of multi-generation operations are looking to, you know, conserve their property for future generations to, to be able to use. Um, so within that, I, um, I actually was in advertising for uh, my undergrad and spent about almost a decade in advertising, but went back for my master's in environmental law and policy. And through that program, I became a board member of Northern Prairies. And then we were fortunate enough to get uh, grant funding to go full time. And I've been with the organization uh, as director for uh, just over four years now, with two years prior to that on board. And uh, yeah, we're working on just uh, uh, growing our impact here in South Dakota, primarily, uh, really working on uh, working lands easements and protecting the prairie. When you were a student, what was it about the work that got you excited about being involved with them as a board member? 
Um, a couple, a couple areas. One, you know, land conservation and the the loss of prairie ecosystems was a big driver of that. You know, South Dakota was is primarily grasslands or was primarily glass grasslands, and we've seen that reduction by half or so. So, you know, protecting um those grasslands and those grassland species are just was really important to me. I, uh, my family's all from South Dakota primarily. Um, I grew up in South Dakota, so it's just very close to, close to home, close to my heart. Um, so that really, uh, uh, got me involved, you know, and also, you know, when we're talking about climate change and the, the, the changing economic landscape of the future, you know, making sure that, uh, agriculture is a part, uh, a viable, healthy economy, economic revenue source, but also, a positive player in um, climate resilience and um, uh, grassland protection. Also, I really like buffalo, and that's a fun uh, uh, secondary thing I get to kind of help protect and restore uh, buffalo on the prairie. Have you guys done some work with um, ranches that use bison? We are currently working with uh, one ranch um, that is currently running buffalo. Um, we have done a project out west in Western South Dakota that helped reintroduce uh, mm -hmm. buffalo on public land. Um, there was a public-private partnership there, and it helped re uh, introduce uh, the buffalo herd to an, uh, an area they hadn't been for about a hundred years or so. So there is, it's not maybe the primary driver, but that has as the buffalo industry and um, as buffalo numbers increase. Uh, we are seeing more inter, um, interaction with uh, buffalo. Yep. And there is something wonderful about seeing bison on that prairie landscape. It's really neat. I mean, I, you know, that property that I'm working on, you know, it's a pretty large ranch. And at one time we were doing a land tour um, and we come over a bluff and look down into this valley and there's a herd of a hundred or so buffalo. And uh, it really kind of reminded and there was no, you know, I couldn't see any roads, hear any cars, no power lines or anything. So it really, you know, um, brought me back to what it may have looked like uh, prior to a settlement. Mm -hmm. And it makes you wonder how that could look in the future as well. So on that note, can you go into how easements can be used for grassland conservation work? Yeah, so like you mentioned in the intro, uh, uh, conservation easements are a private um, conservation tool. So we see ourselves as a tool that landowners can use to help conservation on their properties. So if a landowner is uh, interested or worry about, you know, development, either from urban development or even tillage, so agricultural development or uh, utility development or whatever that could be, um, they could use conservation easements as a way to make sure that land um, is kept in uh, agriculture. Conservation easements aren't just one size fits all. So they're all kind of different and each land trust kind of does them slightly differently in wording or uh, things that they must have. And so we are very, we work with landowners to really customize the conservation easement to what their goals are. 
So if a landowner wants to have working lands, that's an option. If a landowner wants more like a nature preserve type of property, you know, that's an option. If we're only putting a certain amount of acres into easements um, and the rest isn't, that's an option. Um, so like I mentioned, you know, buffer strip easements a lot around waterways is an, uh, uh, an example. We also work with urban areas or developers too to keep green space in um city area so if a developer wants to keep aside you know some green space for a park and want to make sure it's always a park or a wetland um things like that uh we can help with that so you know we are very much a tool for landowners goals obviously it has to all be for conservation so if a landowner just wants to make sure um their property is in agriculture but they don't have any conservation um priorities or they're not looking at putting in you know rotational grazing aspects or regenerative agricultural aspects you know a conservation easement is probably not for them and an easement is not going to be for every property um and every landowner so it's one of those things we kind of i kind of look at it as the final like cherry on top of a larger plan that they're implementing so they might be already doing like no-till and cover crops or they reestablish their prairies and are doing uh, rotational grazing and now they just want to put this last piece onto it um so yeah but what that does is make sure you know these landscapes are in a certain condition um for, for here on out so we won't have to especially with urban expansion and growth you know uh having um legal pieces in place will help um, protect these uh, private lands because majority of land in South Dakota is privately owned. So, you know, we're not going to be seeing large, you know, public lands coming about or being available. So, um, but as we want to get more conservation on the ground, private lands is going to be a fundamental tool for that. And easements to us and to me are kind of paramount to making sure that we keep these prairie ecosystems healthy. I thought it was really encouraging what you said about developers also looking to use easements. And I imagine things like buffer strips um, would be very important. Yeah. I mean, buffer strips, um, you know, uh, municipal water, um, wellhead protection. So the areas where cities or municipalities or rural water are getting their water, uh, protecting those areas, those intake areas, putting easements on top of them. So we know that it will never be developed or tilled or anything to really keep that source protected. Um, yeah, but yeah, uh, uh, water is a big piece of it. You know, uh, green space in urban areas is a big piece. Wetland protection is a big piece of it. Um, you know, there's a whole gamut of things you can you can do with conservation easements. It's really to, again, protect for conservation purposes, but, in, you know, even preservation. So there's other easements where you could have like historical preservation type work. Um, you know, if you have a historically significant site, you could put potentially an easement on it to help keep it such. Is that something that you guys do are the historical easements or that's we just one option? We haven't. Uh, historically done those type of um uh, preservation type of easements um and that's not necessarily a, a place that we as an organization are going towards but a, a conservation land trust uh, a land trust could do that potentially thanks for explaining that what are also some of the common or maybe biggest misconceptions that people have when it comes to the work that you do Sure. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, one one major potential misconception is it's maybe a land grab or somehow the federal government's able to take a conservation easement. Now, um, some conservation easements are held by federal agencies or state agencies, but in South Dakota primarily, um, and with Northern Prairie's Land Trust, we're a private entity, we're a 501c3. So all the easements that we're working with stay in private hands. So if a landowner puts their land into a conservation easement, you know, they still own the property. The easement follows the title, the deed of the land. Um, they still pay all taxes. They still have primary management over the uh, the land. Um, we as a nonprofit essentially hold the development rights and maybe some other rights, but primarily the development rights, but it's still in private hands. Um, so, you know, uh, the state government, the federal government can't say how you can use your property because just because it's in an easement, unless you have an easement directly with one of those agencies. So like NRCS has easement programs, uh, U.S. Fish and Wildlife has programs, and those are specifically um, government programs while we are not. So that's one big piece. And then sometimes taxes can get a little um, tricky in there, you know, like the land's still on a tax roll. You know, if you have a working lands easement, that property is still working land, so you can still run an operation on it. So if you're running a cattle ranch and you put a conservation easement on it, you're still running a cattle ranch after um, after that easement's placed. There's just some, um, you know, you can't build a house on it anymore though so there are just little pieces of that and you know uh, the big thing we always try to talk with landowners about is like you know full transparency of what all this looks like you know easements can take a while too you know it's not like a one week you decide you're going to do it and the next week um you have an easement on your property i mean these can take months up to years depending on the complexity or funding available things like that so these, this process, there's a lot of decisions being made. There's a lot of um, eyes on these documents, thoughts. It's really thought out. And we really try to future-proof our easements as much as possible. So trying to think, you know, you never can predict what's going to happen 20, 30, 50 years down the road. But to the best of our ability, we're trying to future-proof, you know, make sure our property is still viable for whatever that goal is, you know, making sure there's ample... Um, maybe building envelopes. So if, you know, a property is a thousand acres and um, mom and dad know that in 10 years, the kids want to come back and build a house, but there's going to be easement on it. We want to make sure that, you know, there's cutouts for maybe five acre parcels, a couple of them on that whole thousand acres. Cause we would rather have 10 acres in the house and rest prairie than the whole thing houses. So um, just kind of future-proofing all that stuff. And really, there's a lot of thought that goes into them, and they're not just turn and burn. Um, but they still, you know, are private property. So they're still on, you know, the tax rolls of the counties. It doesn't get pulled out of that. You're still, you know, making a living on this on these lands as well. And you said it can be a bit of a process to get your land into an easement. How does that process start? And are people committed or it's it something they can kind of explore and start to work with you and then change their mind? Yeah. So the process might look different depending on the organization you're working with. So like for, so if you're working with us or maybe a different land trust, it might look different. Or if you're using one of the federal programs, that might look different. But for us, you know, we're open. We, we want to talk to anyone that's interested. 
at least the gauge and give them the the information they are or they need to kind of start making that process. So usually our process starts with you know introductory. We you know landowners we've never solicited any landowners, so landowners always come to us or they are referred to us um, through another agency that they're working with or another partner that they're working with. So they're already usually curious or interested in what a conservation easement is. So we start exploring that. We give them updates on what the organization is, what are easements more specifically and how they work. And if it's something a landowner wants to pursue, you know, we'll come out and start touring the property, talking to them more, you know, sitting at the kitchen table, going through all the various um, pieces of what could happen or what to look at or any pitfalls or hurdles we might need to look at. And then making sure the property, you know, as an organization is something that we are, we think should be worth conserving. You know, obviously, you know, we have to have, um, we're paying for easements. So we want to make sure that it's for conservation purposes, but we want to get people more engaged and educated on what conservation easements are. So we, I usually will take, you know, if anyone's interested, I'll talk to them. Now, once we get into like the meat of it, they want to go forward. A big thing in South Dakota is finding where, you know, like I said, um, easements, there's a, a monetary value to an easement. So understanding what that easement is, could be potentially worth. And then if that landowner would like um, cash or are going to make a donation or a combination of both. So working through those pieces and starting to collect information of what their ultimate goals are, a lot more specific information about the property, things like that. And then trying to figure out where the that funding mechanism will come from. So where's the funding for the easement purchase going to become or be coming from? So working through all that fun stuff, you know, there's appraisals involved to understand the or to figure out the actual value, the before and after picture of the property value. Um, we do baseline reporting before an easement is placed. So we will come document how the property looked with all the specifics of, you know, infrastructure, wildlife, vegetation, all that fun stuff. Um, that way we know what the property looked like right before the easement was placed. So we use that as a, uh, a gauge for future monitoring. And then essentially like an easement, it's just a, it's just a document, a legal document that gets filed with the county. So that document goes back and forth between us and the landowner um, until it looks good for both parties. And then we all always encourage our landowners to have a third party look at it, so their own legal counsel or their own tax professional to look at the, the documents to make sure, you know, just another another set of eyes to make sure everything is looking good for them. Um, that gets signed, notarized, and sent to the county. And then from there, it's actually for us, other organizations are different, but once the easement is placed on the property, we essentially, we monitor it once a year to make sure the easement uh, terms are being met, but we're not actively stewarding the property. Um, you know, we might, we can be a resource for a landowner to help them connect to other organizations. So like if they need help with funding for like um, water tanks or fencing or something, we'll help them get connected to uh, like NRCS if they're not already there or other programs that are available um, that could help cost share or different things like that. But we're not actively out there writing management plans. We're not, you know, out there with a ruler measuring how much grass is on or anything. Um, so once the easement's placed, it's kind of hands off on our part. 
Um, now, other land trusts might be a little different. They might have stewardship staff or biologists on uh, on on staff, but that's just not where we are right now. In your example of the thousand acre ranch that gets passed to the sun and having a few blocks for a house, what's mm-hmm. to stop the grandson from potentially putting in a subdivision down the road? Sure. So our easements are perpetual. So they, in a sense, are legally binding forever. So no matter who owns the property, the easement will follow the title of the land and will have to follow the 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 conditions of the easement. Um, now, not all easements are like that. There are, you know, termed easements out there, um, different programs. So, you know, we do hold a couple like 20, 30 year term easements where at the end of that term, those rights are extinguished from us. Um, But the majority of easements we work on and the majority of easements we're going for are those perpetual easements. So they will stay with the land forever. So no matter what generation or what landowner comes in and buys it, um, they have to follow follow the easement. So and that kind of going back to a previous question, that could be also a little hurdle sometimes if uh, a family member inherits a piece of property and didn't know the easement was there and come to find out they want to do something, maybe develop it, and they didn't realize that easement's there. There could be some heartache around that or someone purchases a property and that wasn't necessarily disclosed or was kind of hidden or wasn't fully transparent. There could be some hurdles there. When we work with landowners, I always, knowing that it will transition to someone else, I always encourage them to talk to their kids or whoever the new owner might be long-term and say, this is going to be a piece of it. So make sure you're aware of it. How can other partners support your work? So there's a lot of different type of easements out there. There's a lot of um, wetland style easements, but large agricultural land easements are still kind of a little bit newer in South Dakota. So just getting educating landowners that this is an option for them is a big piece. But quite honestly, right now, we have um, more want from landowners than we do resources. So getting more resources available, that being money and uh, more employees or staff working in this type of environment, uh, specifically uh, easements, would be a huge plus. And then just more general education of how conservation easements work in the and the nuances of easements, not like I said, not all easements are the same, but that education and then that those increased uh, resources. I think there's a huge opportunity for landowners to use conservation easements to protect uh, wildlife, habitat, grasslands, and then the acre, agricultural heritage and um, uh, viability long term. Uh, it's just a matter of making sure we have the resources and state to help uh, satisfy that need. That is kind of the big, big area right now that I think all of us collectively could work towards, you know, partners helping partners go for larger grants, you know, being co-grantees or writing letters of support or trying to bring in additional partners for expertise on technical assistance and things like that is all, always a plus. So the more the merrier, really. If a partner has an idea they want to collaborate with you on, how can they get in touch? You can go to our website, northernprairies.org. Anytime you can reach out to me personally, I'm the executive director uh, at 
Travis at northernprairies.org. All these partners, everyone we've been working with so far have been fantastic and great relationships. And I hope to grow and get more resources and get more money on the ground and help landowners protect the stuff. So anything, you know, from quick questions on how easements work more holistically or helping connect landowners to other organizations or whatever that may be, I'm always down to, to help with. Excellent. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Travis, for joining us today. Thank you to our listeners for taking the time to learn a little bit more about how easements work um, and specifically how Northern Prairie's Land Trust utilizes them. Um, I hope you've all taken something away from this and maybe have somebody in mind that you could also share this information with. We encourage you to visit our website, sdgrassinitiative.org, to find a link to their website and to learn more about other grassland partners.